Thanks, Liz. Morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? It's good to see you all here. Let me just kick this out of the way. Uh, my name's Tim, uh, and I have the great privilege of kicking off our summer series with us all today. I've been really excited to uh, speak on this question, um, although it's uh, not an easy question to answer. God, why don't you answer my questions? Today we're going to look at this passage uh, and, and kind of through it find our answers. Uh, and I, I really hope and pray that today, if you are here asking God big questions, that you are able to take some first steps to answering those questions. Do I need to do something about this mic or? Cool. All right. But uh, here we believe in God. We believe God is big and in control. And we believe God is the one who actually used these words to shape our lives. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to help me do this and to work in your lives and my life to change us. So please pray with me. Father God, thank you uh, that we can be here today exploring this question. I pray for us today that you would help us to see how we might come across answers to our questions, whatever those questions might be. Father, please do be gracious and good to us and show us these answers. And as you do that, Father, show us just how wonderful you are, how amazing Jesus is. Father, impress on us just how good your word to us is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, after I'm done speaking up here, uh, we're also going to have a moment for question and answer. So uh, if your question pops in your mind while I'm speaking, feel free to jot it down or remember it at the end if you have the opportunity to ask it. We'll just spend a couple of minutes doing that. But you know, the question is, where do, uh, what, God, why don't you answer my questions? And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, well, where do we get any answers from? Where can we get any answers from? And I was thinking about a time when I was in high school and... I wasn't really the best student in high school. I also wasn't really the best student in university. It's just generally I'm not great in classrooms. Uh, but when I was in high school, I was particularly bad, and I left things to the last minute, to the absolute last minute. So, for example, uh, we had to uh, give some report, essay thing, on ancient Egypt. I, I don't remember what the question is, I'm sorry, but it, it's about ancient Egypt, something about that. And it was due after lunch, and I hadn't started and neither had my other two mates. And so where do we go to answer that question? Well, obviously we played handball all lunch. No, 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 we're, we're a bit too desperate for that. We went to the library to find our answers and we were looking through books and we were, you know, scrambling and just with barely minutes to spare, we had something down that could barely answer the question, but most of it was just facts thrown in about ancient Egypt, hoping that would confuse our teacher into thinking we knew something, right? We, we scoured through books and books. Um, if we found something in our book that would help our friend, we'd be like, look, quick, look at this, grab that, and, and they'd do the same for me. And we just went through books, and it took us a while to get there. I mean, lunch wasn't that long, but it took us a while to find what we needed. Nowadays, if we have a question, what do we do? We just pull out our phone and we say, hey, Google, what's the height of Barack Obama? And it's like, you know, six foot whatever. And it's, it's there, boom, right there. Any question we can think of. Well, not any question, right? But, but most of the questions we can think of, they're just at our fingertips right there. But not every question can be answered by Google. Not every question can be answered by Siri. Not every question can be answered by jumping on good old Wikipedia, which is a source of lots of great knowledge. So what do we do when we have 
the kinds of questions that Siri can't answer for us, that Google doesn't know. You know, questions like, like existential questions. What happens after we die? What is my purpose in life? How can I live a satisfying and fulfilling life? Google can't answer those for us. What about questions that come from a place of suffering and pain? Why did this happen to me? Why has my child got a terminal illness? Why did I have to lose my parent, my sibling, my friend? Why did I have to lose my job and then my house? Why is there so much suffering and evil? Why does this pandemic keep going and going and going? No Google search can answer those questions with any real satisfaction. And so often we turn to God. We ask God questions. Now you might be here today asking God questions. Maybe it's one of the ones I mentioned. Maybe it's a different question. Maybe you've been asking God this question for a long time. And the longer you ask, the more frustrating it is that you can't find the answer, that God won't respond. And so you're frustrated, you're angry, you're hurt. Maybe you're just starting to ask those questions. And you're asking yourself, how can I hear from God? Where do I, where do I go to get that answer from God? How can I do that? Well, today I really hope to address those things. I want to address those things and point you in the direction of real answers by looking at this account of a young man who approaches Jesus with a question. In the end, he doesn't go away with an answer that's satisfactory to him, but I hope you'll see as we explore it together, there are answers and show you the way to get there. The, the big thing I want you to understand today is God gives us answers through his son, Jesus. God gives us answers through his son, Jesus. Now, the first thing I want, I want you to know as we explore this together is that there absolutely are answers. There are answers. And I want to assure you of this because searching for answers can often be painful. And the longer we search, the more it can hurt. When, when we're asking a question from a place of suffering, why the cancer diagnosis? Why the global pandemic? Why the uh, genocides and wars? Why the... When we ask those questions, the longer it takes, the more hurtful it can be. We want answers, but we're hurting all the while, and the pain's not going away, it's just growing. But here's the thing, the Bible understands that completely. The Bible understands that as we ask our questions, it can be a really painful process. Do you remember that psalm that Liz read for us earlier, Psalm 77? If you don't know what a psalm is, psalm's just a song or a poem written for God's people. Uh, Liz read from Psalm 77. Let me read the first two verses of that for us again. If I can find it. Psalm 77. The, the Bible knows the pain of searching for questions. Psalm 77, verses 1 and 2. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. Can you feel the pain of the writer there? He's seeking the Lord for help, for answers in his distress. And he is yet to find those answers. And he's in pain, he's hurting, he will not be comforted. He desperately wants answers 
and on his search to find them, it is painful. Now, if you feel like that today, I want to assure you there are answers. There are answers and you can find them. God has them for you. How do I know God has them for you? Two reasons, two related reasons. The first is this, God created all things. God created the world, he created everything in it, the earth, the cosmos, he made life, he made relationships, he made all things. In fact, the Bible says not one thing was made that wasn't made by God. God made all things and so he knows how everything works. He knows what's good for it, what's not good for it. He knows what its purpose is, its function in this world is because he made it. He knows what we're for. He knows what's good for us and what's not good for us. He made everything. And so secondly, as the one who made everything, he has a bird's eye view on all things. He can see all things and understand all situations with an insight that would astound any of us. He knows this world because he made this world. Have you heard that story about the three blind men walking down the track and they run into an obstacle? And they're trying to figure out what it is. And the first one uh, is feeling this big, large slab in front of him. And as he feels it, it's large and it's flat and it's immovable. And so he's like, oh, obviously there's a wall here. We're going to have to walk around it. But, but another one of the blind men is like, no, 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 that's not a wall. What are you talking about? I feel this long rubbery tube with some water leaking out the end. Obviously, there's, there's a big hose and we're going to have to walk around the hose, right? It's a hose. We need to get around it. And the third one's like, no, 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 what are you guys talking about? There's these big tree trunks in front of us. See, they're big, they're round, they're solid, sturdy, they're not moving anywhere. There's tree trunks. We need to walk around this forest. And then there's a fourth friend, standing at a distance, he can see, and he sees, it's not a wall, it's not a hose, it's not tree trunks. It's an elephant. An elephant with a big body like a wall, with a trunk like a hose, and legs like tree trunks. That fourth friend who can see, who's standing at a distance, sees all things, well, sees the whole elephant, and can speak the truth into the situation. He, he's able to see what's really there and help his friends navigate it. You don't need to go around the forest, you don't need to climb over the wall, you don't need to watch out for the hose, you just walk around the elephant. You know, throw him some peanuts on your way past. The friend standing at a distance knows it's an elephant. God, having created all things, can see all things, knows the answers to our questions. He knows our lives. His unique position means he has the answers he want, we want. He knows what we need. He knows what can heal us. He knows what can comfort us. He knows what's good for us and what isn't good for us. He knows what waits on the other side of this life and how to navigate it. So I want to say you've come to the right place. I assume if you're here today and you're here asking this question is because you, you believe that there is a God or you're exploring the option and, and you want to know if he has answers. You've come to the right place. God does have answers for you. It's a good thing that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. If you're here in the building or just joining us online, we're so glad that you're exploring these things with us. There are answers. But the question is, how can you have them? How can you get the answers? Sure, they're out there and God has them, but how do we get them? What do we do? I want you to get the answers that you're after. 
because I believe they'll change your life for the better. They've changed my life for the better. But you need to be aware that as we come to God asking our questions, there's a way to do it that will actually stop us from receiving the answers that we want. And there's a way to do it that will mean we'll get the answers that we want. We, we need to be aware there's a right way and a wrong way. And so firstly, I want to explore how not to find those answers so that you'll be prepared then to find the answers the way that God calls us to. And we're going to see how not to find the answers. That's the second thing I want us to see today by looking at this example of the young rich man. Here's an example of how not to find your answers. As he approaches Jesus with his question and he asks his question, there's three things about his attitude, about the way he approaches Jesus with his question That means he goes away sad without answers. And so firstly, this young man approached Jesus expecting a particular answer. Come with me to the passage. If you have a Bible, uh, open it to Matthew chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. You can just Google it on your phone or something. Matthew 19. And there'll be a bunch of websites and it'll take you straight there. Uh, While you're flicking there, let, let me just fill you in on on what I mean by Matthew 19. Matthew is one of four biographies of Jesus' life we find in the Bible, each of them written by a different person uh, to a slightly different audience with different purposes. This one was written by Matthew, which is why we call it Matthew. Uh, Matthew was one of Jesus' followers and he wrote this account of Jesus' life. And uh, in the Bible, these different accounts are split into chapters. These chapters kind of roughly split into different sentences and they're numbered. So when I say Matthew chapter 19, verse 16... I mean, 19th chapter of Matthew, roughly sentence 16. So grab your Bible out, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, and I'll I'll read some of this account again for us. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he replied. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Here we see this young man, he has a question for Jesus. And in fact, as he asked Jesus his question, he is asking God his question, so we'll see in a moment that He took the first step right. The first thing he did was absolutely correct to come to Jesus with his question. And his question is, how can I have eternal life? Or another way the Bible talks about that question is, how can I get to heaven? How can I find paradise on the other side of this life? Comes to Jesus for the answer, but he's looking for a particular answer. He's asking the question, thinking he already knows the answer, he just needs the details. What he's really after is something he can do. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? What good thing must I do? He wants some amazing display, something he can do to really show his loyalty to God. Something that he can, uh, some far out thing that, that will make people go, wow, he is really devoted to God. And so God will say, wow, you're really devoted to me. Of course you can come into eternal life with me. He wants to do something to secure his place in heaven. But that's not the answer that Jesus gave him. Look at those next few verses. Verse 21. Jesus answered, 
if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus says, follow me. He was expecting, do something and be done with it. But Jesus says, follow me and you'll have eternal life. Really, he's treating God, he's treating Jesus here like the magic mirror. You know in Snow White, when the evil queen goes up to the magic mirror and she says, magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Now, the evil queen's expecting an answer there, isn't she? She wants the mirror to say, well, of course, evil queen, it's you. You're the fairest of them all. That's not the answer the magic mirror gives her, is it? And so, just like this man went away sad and disappointed, the evil queen, well, she's not sad and disappointed. I think she flies into a rage at that point and uh, tries to knock off Snow White. But he's treating God like a magic mirror. Answer the question the way I want you to. Just say the words that I want you to say. Give me the answer that I want. And so he's not ready to accept the answer that Jesus has for him. Leave your life behind and follow me. The first reason the man fails to get his answer is because he's expecting a particular answer. So he's not willing to listen to what the real answer is. That's the first thing about his attitude. The second thing is this. He wants his answer straight away. He wants an immediate answer. He comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do? He's expecting Jesus to say, go do this. And he's like, cool, got it. I'm out of here. I'll do it. I'll dust my hands off and I'll be done. That's what he wants. He wants his answer straight away. He wants to be able to do it and get it done. But Jesus says, follow me. And the implication is not just follow me for a moment. Follow me for the rest of your life. Give up your life in service of me. Here he's treating God like Google. Type in my question, answer straight away, have a quick read, Dunskis. And so he's not willing to accept an answer that changes his whole life. He doesn't get an immediate answer and so he doesn't listen to the answer at all. Now this can be our problem, especially when life is difficult. When there's some kind of pain or suffering, we want God to relieve that or give us answers in the moment. But oftentimes, God actually uses those things to teach us patience and perseverance. And so, we might want an immediate answer, but God might not be giving us an immediate answer. And the Bible says, be patient, persevere. God does have answers for you, but you may not get them immediately. And so, don't be like the young man who goes away sad without his answer be willing to wait and listen. Finally, he just wants the easy answer. He wants an easy answer. He wants something to do, something amazing, right? So, some big show of loyalty. But this man is a rich young man. He's got lots of resources. Any big show of loyalty probably won't cost him all that much. Maybe a bit of time, maybe a bit of money. But really, he's just after an easy answer. And so he's not willing to accept an answer that will shape and change his whole entire life. Not willing to accept an answer that is, give away everything that you have and devote yourself to Jesus. Here he's treating God like a rich parent who just will bail him out. You know know, the rich kid who gets in trouble with the law and then the rich dad comes in and, you know, kind of pays everyone off and all the kid has to do is, you know, say, you you know, I'm sorry I did that thing. 
I won't do it again, I promise. And then they're off scot-free. That's what the rich young man expects God to do, to just kind of accept something small and let him go. Say, of course you can come into heaven if you donate some money or give some of it to the poor or, or whatever it is. And so he's not willing to accept the answer because the answer is a difficult one. Change your whole life for me. And we can be in danger of doing this, especially when we realise, just like this young man, what God's demands on our life are. When we bring our questions to God, we will hear a similar answer to the young man. At some point, God will say, follow me. Your whole life needs to be dedicated and devoted to me. And if we're not willing to accept that that is part of the answer that we're seeking, we too will go away without an answer, just like this young man. We'll say, God, do I really need a change? Do I really need to give this up? Do I really need to give that up? And when the answer is yes, oftentimes we can be like, it's a bit too much for me. No, thank you. But the problem is we'll go away without the answer that we're really seeking. Can you see how the attitude of this young man stopped him receiving the answers that he was after? His attitude got in the way of him really listening to Jesus, really listening to God, because he wanted his answer immediately with little impact on his life. And so he missed out on his answers. So if that's how not to get our answers, how can we have our answers? Well, here's the last thing to say today. We find our answers in Jesus. We find our answers in Jesus. This is the big thing. If you go away only remembering one thing today, it's this. Your answers can be found in Jesus. You see, the rich young man, he got that absolutely right. He brought his question to Jesus and he asked Jesus. It's just that the attitude that he brought stopped him from hearing the answers. And so when we come to Jesus, we need to be careful that we don't bring that same attitude of this young man. We need to be willing to hear the answer that we're not expecting, to be patient and wait for the answer, to have an answer that will shape our whole lives. But I believe Jesus' answers are life-changing, that they really will impact your life for the better. They give us hope that no one else can give us. They bring joy that nothing else can bring, satisfaction that we can't find anywhere else. God's answers are good answers. They're answers that I believe will change your life for the better. And so please don't be like this young man. So how do you find these answers in Jesus? You listen to him. You listen to what he says. I said there's four biographies of Jesus' life in the Bible. Start there. Explore Jesus' teachings. And as you explore his teachings and the answers that they provide, you will hear the same call of the rich young man, Jesus will say to you too, follow me. Jesus calls us to leave our priorities and our pleasures of this life behind and to follow him, to give our lives to him, to devote ourselves to him. But as we do, the answers that we have already found will gain greater clarity and depth and satisfaction. They'll bring greater joy. They'll become more beautiful. But Jesus will demand our undivided devotion. For the rich young man, that was too much. He didn't want to be freed from his wealth, which tugged at his heart. Will that call be too much for you? Now, 
God might not call you to give away your wealth. That might not be the thing that's stopping you from following Jesus. Maybe it's career or family or education or any number of things. But God will call us to give something up, give anything up that will stop us devoting our lives to Him. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. The answers God has for us are absolutely worth giving up our lives for Him. Now today, if you feel like, yes, I'm ready for that. I've, I've glimpsed some of those answers and I want to jump in with Jesus. That's really wonderful. That's such great news. I'd love for you to come let me know after the service. I'll be outside, come say day. Or, or if you want, you can um, fill out that communication card again, scan that QR code in front of you, you can fill that out and let us know there. Someone will be in contact with you. But for many of you, I'm not pretending that me just standing here for 20 minutes is by any means convinced you. And so here's what I want to say to you. Continue to investigate the claims of Jesus. Continue to investigate his teachings and the answers he provides for our lives. Keep looking into them. An awesome next step, the best next step, would be to just join us for the rest of the summer series in January. We will actually look at some questions and the answers that Jesus provides for us. Maybe one of those questions coming up over the next few weeks is a question you're asking. Why is Christianity so irrational? Why should I believe something that's so unbelievable? What happens after this life? Why is there so much suffering in the world? They're all coming up in the next three weeks. So join us. Investigate these things with us. And, And here's what's really important. As you walk through the door here at church, we're not expecting you to leave your brain at the door. We expect you to think hard and and critically about these things. Does what Jesus say make sense? Does it make sense of this world or my life? Does it answer my question? We want you to investigate these things because we believe that uh, the Bible, Jesus' answers, um, what God has told us in it, stands up to all that kind of scrutiny. But investigate it yourself. Join us. We'll provide you opportunities to investigate these things further. But keep joining us and investigate these things. Don't just walk away sad like the man because he wasn't willing to accept an answer. Investigate it yourself. If you're asking questions, we're really glad that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. I think it's wonderful that you've taken the first step in finding answers by coming to church and hearing what the Bible has to say about them. You've come to the right place. We want you to find those answers and we'll do whatever we can to help. Jesus has those answers. But just please don't make mistake of the rich young man. Don't make his mistake. He didn't find answers. Come to Jesus willing to hear those answers. I'm going to finish by praying. Father God, thank you that there are answers. Thank you that because you made all things and you know all things, you do have the answers that we're seeking. I pray for anyone here who has questions that you would provide answers. But Father, help us to come to you in a way that will mean we'll hear your answers. Not with the attitude of the rich young man who wanted a specific answer, who wanted an answer straight away, He didn't want an answer that would change his life. Help us to come to Jesus patiently, willing to accept answers. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.
Now, like I mentioned earlier, it, we're going to have a moment to do question and answer. Um, now, I'm not Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but I'll do my best to point you to Jesus who has answers. So if you, I'm going to give you a minute, just a minute to reflect, formulate questions. If you want to pray, you can pray. I'll give you a minute to think about it while I grab a drink and then I'll hop back up and give you a few answers. Just take one more moment. If you have a question, raise your hand. If you're online, um, I don't know if you can put it in the chat or something, but I'll, I'll repeat the question so that if you're online, you can hear it. So if you have any, any questions, make them known. can't believe how clear I must have been. I imagine you're still thinking about them. If there's no questions, feel free to grab me afterwards. Um, and feel free to grab hands afterwards as well. He's, he's got great answers too. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, Jen. Yeah, great question. So Jen's question is... Um, Similar question to, to the man's question. If we do those things in the verses that Jesus mentioned, will we get eternal life? Absolutely. But it's the last one that's the key one. So, so the man asks, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments, which is what the man was expecting. He lists off a bunch of commandments. But the man was expecting those things to be the thing that gets him eternal life. But Jesus' follow-up answer was, follow me. Jesus said, follow me, because that's the way to have eternal life, devoting your life to Jesus, giving your life over to Jesus. In fact, uh, we just celebrated Christmas. Uh, Christmas is such a wonderful time to celebrate the salvation that Jesus brings. The only way into eternal life is to be saved and rescued by Jesus from sin. Now, that's a lot of stuff to dump on you right now, so if you want to ask follow-up questions about that, feel free to grab me uh, and do that. But here's the thing, as we follow Jesus and have accepted that salvation, it will change our lives such that obeying those commandments that Jesus mentioned will be a great joy for us. If we're so thankful to Jesus who has rescued us into eternal life, well, of course we'll want to honour him by not stealing, not giving false testimony, uh, honouring our father and mother, loving our neighbour as ourselves. Thanks, Jan, that was a really helpful question. Right. Well, we might sing. <laughs>